human beings are naturally drawn to grow and expand, right? So when we're not doing that proactively or unconsciously, we're not happy. So although change is hard, like you said, I mean, you, you have to get outside your comfort zone. Credit to you for noticing that that's how you grow and expand. This is the Rebel HR Podcast, the podcast where we talk to HR innovators about all things people leadership. If you're looking for places to find about new ways to think about the world of work, this is the podcast for you. Please subscribe from your favorite podcast listening platform today and leave us a review. Rebel on, HR Rebels. Welcome back, Rebel HR listeners, to a special Friday episode release. Really excited to introduce you all to Jan Barlow, who is a kindred HR spirit. She is a thought disruptor, a catalyst, and facilitator of change. She founded the 501c3 Better Job Fit, and we are so excited to have her with us today. Welcome, Jan. Thank you. It's great to be here, fellow disruptor. <laughs> Disruptors unite. Uh, also, would uh, like to welcome Molly, who has been traveling all over the country and is joining us today. Welcome, Molly. Thank you, Kyle. <laughs> so, um, before we get into the conversation, because there's so many great things we're going to talk about, I'd like uh, Jan to give you an opportunity to help our our listeners understand a little bit about your background. Thank you, Kyle. You know, I started my career in uh, working for a global pharmaceutical company and literally creating my own job there. Um, height of my career was hired by our uh, our biggest competitor and set up for success. Two months later, got a new manager, went south real quick. Um, how can you be hired for your strengths? And then all of a sudden, two months later, it be totally different. So it was such a tremendous ex bad experience that I, I lost my hair. I mean, my hair fell out. My palms started to peel. I was sleeping for 12 hours. It affected me physically, the stress of it. Um, and that's when I just said, you know, life's too short. And afterwards, I just said I wanted to, for a life's work, or really what I was called to do, was to start better job fit because my goal was to put people in positions of strength. Since companies weren't doing it, managers weren't doing it, it's going to be up to individuals to have that self-mastery to make sure that they do everything they can do to not <laughs> put themselves in harm's way, right? And uh, so that's really how I started Better Job Fit. And that was back in 2009. And we've grown the brand to three other uh, brands for Better Job Fit. And here we are today. I love it. So uh, for those that aren't familiar, uh, what is Better Job Fit? What is the kind of the mission of, of your organization? So the mission really is with all of our brands is to reimagine work. So when we looked at all of each of our individual brands, it has to all do about individuals and that work-life integration and, and weaving, whether it's, you know, creating your own career. That's our creating your next. It's not about finding a job. It's about creating your next, right? New, exciting, extraordinary, extraordinary transition. Behavior diversity, that's our equity and inclusion brand. We all talk about the external elements of diversity. What's different physically, you know, uh, race, religion, sex, but really how we perceive others is based on our behaviors. Um, and then we we really took all three of those brands and we needed a platform and a space to bring people together to talk about 
a lot of different things. And that's where the HR Disruptor Summit came in. So it's really all of our brands is about reimagine work. I love that. And I think, you know, it's the other thing I'll say is this is not like this isn't like something that you're like last year, you know, there's this trend that we should, you know, that, that, oh, wow. People, you mean people actually want to have purpose at work and, you know, like they want to have work and life integration. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, you've been doing this for a long time and, and, you know, you, you spotted this need, uh, many years ago, as you look at the, the kind of the world of work and specifically in the context of human resources, has much changed over the last few years, or are we still kind of in the same rut that we've been in uh, when you started uh, your, your organization? It, it's it's still the same way. And and fast forward from two thousand eight or nine when we well really two thousand nine when we officially launched Better Job Fit, um, Harvard Business Review in twenty fifteen, <laughs> the July August issue, the front cover said it's time to blow up HR and <laughs> create something new. I mean, that 20, you can, 2015, all right. Oh, I guess I'm not cutting edge. Right. I mean, <laughs> and 20, 2016 was interesting because that's when Consumer Reports put out uh, a cover that said, my college degree bankrupted me. So mm. that's why in 2020, when I said, okay, one of, when we look at topics, I'm like, we number one topic, or at least one of the top two or three is bridging the gap between academia and the workforce. Right. And um, so this hasn't been new news, (laughs) but what I think it comes down to, we live in a quantum science world where everything, I mean, when you think about it, we have everything we want quickly overnight, you know, at, at our disposable, right. Disposal, whatever we want. And, but when it comes to three dimension of time and process, there's a disconnect between the quantum science world that we live in and the world of HR and work, right? That's that's a totally like a different time war, you know. <laughs> Absolutely, um, I think it's really interesting that the conversation is essentially the same, and that you know people people are looking for more, and and people are are are, are questioning why. Uh, we do things the way that we do. So as you look at HR as a, as a profession and, and, and as you look at some of the work that you've done over the years, you know, what are some call outs where you see maybe these are the areas that we really need to change if we are going to, to level up and, and evolve with the evolving world? I think from an industry standpoint, you know, not only just, I, th- I think from the HR industry, we have to start looking at bringing different ideas together. But the problem is when you just stay within your own silo industry, you don't get any outside information, right? <laughs> or feedback. So you keep on regurgitating the same stale water that, you know, you're not doing anything different, right? You're not getting a 360 view of your industry or really what the needs are. And I think that's that's in every industry. That's why when we created the summit, it's about a 360. We're bringing people from all um, industries and all positions 
around the same topics that that we're dealing with, bridging the gap between academia and the workforce, right? I mean, HR needs to get outside their, and every industry needs to look outside their own bubble, right? Yeah, one of the best things I've ever done in my career is reaching out, touring, um, educating myself, just learning from other people, other industries, other companies. Um, I've learned so much from that. What other ways can we do that? Or have you seen HR professionals get outside? That's what I'm saying. They're not doing it. And that's why when mm-hmm. all these years, all my HR peeps, because I've been part of the second largest uh, Sherl organization in the U.S. is here in Dallas and kept on seeing recycling. You know, you're, you're getting the same people, um, really the same viewpoint from within the industry. You're not really getting viewpoints from outside the industry. So that's really why we have the summit is to bring these different organizations, I mean, industries together in outside positions to start having these open conversations about solving some, you know, issues and challenges, doing something different. And to your point, Molly, you, you proactively went out to seek out different people and different from different viewpoints. HR doesn't do that. And a lot of industries don't. Well, before you give me too much credit, usually when I do that, it's because I find myself getting stagnant in what I'm doing, how I'm thinking. And it's just something that I'd have to recognize. I'm like, oh, gosh, I have to get out of this cycle. Otherwise, to Kyle's point, you know, HR is never going to level up. I am never going to level up my organization. Um, And I hope there's more like me that recognize when they get stagnant and and want to do something about it. Well, it is to your credit, my friend, because um, I know who we attract to any of our Better Job Fit brands. We focus on the consciously advanced individual, meaning they're going beyond their comfort zone and they want to grow. And that's where I truly believe human beings are naturally drawn to grow and expand. Right. So when we're not doing that proactively or <laughs> unconsciously, it we, we're not happy. So um, although change is hard, like you said, I mean, you, you have to get outside your comfort zone. Credit to you for noticing that that's how you grow and expand. You're too sweet. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. No, it's the Molly's truth. too humble to take any credit. Yeah. But she does I mean, deserve yeah. a lot of credit. Kudos to you. <laughs> I think it's a really it's a really important point, and I think it's a really appropriate challenge uh, and and call to action for people uh, in, in our profession. And and you know, unfortunately, I've observed it as well. You know, there was a point earlier uh, in in my career, many years ago, where I was questioning whether this was the right field for me because I did feel like we were supposed to just stay in our box. You know. Make sure you check the box on compliance. Do this mm-hmm. audit here. Do this Ugh. thing there. You know, make make sure that you take all humanity out of the workplace and follow that process as a black and white um, operator within a big complex, right? And I, I just I hated that. You know, I felt like this is a disservice to uh, to the organization, and it's also for me 
it's like the most boring thing I could do. I have no interest in, in being like a, like a robotic HR yeah. person in this massive machine. So, so for those of us that, that have that mindset or are maybe even questioning, am I in the right organization? Am I in the right job? Am I in the, even in the right industry? What recommendations would you have for us to, to grow and, um, and, and, and really, you know, kind of, push ourselves to, to, to be better? So I guess I want to clarify the question to stay in, in the HR industry, how to grow yourself within that industry and what its limitations are right now. Exactly. Yeah. Um, what I have seen work is I get a lot of feedback from HR, official HR professionals, right? Such as you that say that when they go to conferences, they get more out of the individual meeting others individually and going out for coffee or, or having those side chats, right? Um, so that's the first and foremost is to meet with other like-mindedness, you know, individuals in your industry, but more so bring that third party that's outside of your industry. Um, that's really what I would suggest because it's not until you get outside your industry that you're really going to grow. Right. And, and, and get outside your silo. Yeah. Even, I mean, I've found value, even not even getting outside my industry, but you know, if, if somebody is not ready to do that or a little bit scared, you can even start within your, within your own business. So for example, go learn your marketing department, go pick oh, their brain, go oh, pick yeah. the other departments, even right within your, your organization, your four walls. Um, that, that's a great starting point as well. No, I, and you know what? It's interesting. You brought that up, Molly, about the marketing. Because right now we're doing a project uh, with the um, Public Relations Association, PRSA, Public Relations uh, Society of America. And we're bringing together, we're going to organize an event, bringing together communications professionals and HR professionals. Because when you, th when you think about, again, that just like marketing, behavior industry profiles are totally opposite. Um, but what we see is, when communications and HR, I mean, they're one in the same. I mean, they have to be in alignment and mm -hmm. they're not right now. And so we want to facilitate a, an event and an experience to pull these two industries together and start creating more relationships around that. And I think that having, having those, that exposure to other, you know, thoughts from both ends of the spectrum. I think we're going to be able to facilitate some good relationships there, right? That will impact the industry overall. So we're, we're trying to facilitate those uh, relationships or create those relationships to now start affecting HR in an organic way. Oh, yeah. Maybe if we start working with communication, we can get our employees to read our emails in our newsletters. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right, right? Per I mean, I my like last email. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've been there. Yeah. I, I think it's so powerful. It's such a great call out, Jan. And, and, you know, the other thing is it's like it's not overly complex, right? It's like, you know, you, you could put you could put together all these like fancy like flow charts and tools and all these things that HR should be doing. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's about 
connection with people, people that have a different perspective, that have a different skill set. I mean, isn't that really what HR is supposed to be doing anyways? Like building a team <laughs> like that? Like, mm-hmm. am I missing something? No, I feel like, I'm sorry. I feel like I'm, I'm missing just, something. No, it, it, that's what I'm saying that it's, it gets so, we get so basic about it. We're going, okay, is this really rocket science people? I mean, it's not called human resources. I remember a time when it was, it was branded as human relations. That's what the, that's what it used to be called. Go, I mean, when I first started to work in the eighties, like in Washington, DC, I remember the sign outside the door said human relations. Where did we, where did we get into this now flipping human capital (laughs) resources? I mean, those words are so not like lose that language, right? I mean, let's start using some high vibrational words instead of, you know, calling people resources and and human capital. I mean, I'm, we're not selling widgets here, people. <laughs> you know, absolutely. We talked about this, Jan, in a, a in a in a recent conversation, and I think it's a really powerful comment, and it's it's something I don't want to skip over because, you know, even the name implies that we are we are here to consume something right a resource is something that is consumed in some way shape or form like what a weird way to think about people uh first of all and 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 second of all it, it doesn't even really describe what we what we do <laughs> so no it, it, yeah. it doesn't i mean we're talking about rebranding a, an entire industry it that's what's yep. necessary i mean yep. from I know that sounds ridiculous, but when you think of a brand, an industry as a brand, what, why it's no different than a product or a service. This industry really needs a, a facelift from from the top down because human being, like pe- employees, that I, I don't know about what your experience has been because you're in you're on the other side of HR, but as far as people don't want to go to HR. They don't feel s- safe to go into HR because they, they're they concerned that something is going to be used against them, right? I mean, that's why this whole industry needs a facelift. Like, we have need to rebrand human relations. I mean, <laughs> it's it's it really would be a great little project. <laughs> yeah, it's so important. And I think, but I think it's something we can all do within our own four walls and within our own organization by being intentional, by getting out of our office and building yes. those connections and relationships, working with leaders, working with frontline associates, and, and just being visible, really. You know, you said you make a great point, Mara, because a lot of HR people, that's foreign to them. Like, why would I go and and take a manager out of every department and go to lunch with them every month. Like, why would I do that? Like, are you kidding me? Why wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. They're not, and to your point, we need to get out in our own companies and start creating relationships with our different departments to find out what their needs are. People only come to, you know, those departments only come to you when they have a problem or when they need somebody, like when they need to hire somebody. You got to create relationship and be proactive first before people then can trust you to bring their problems or to share maybe, you know, their feedback and be a little bit more open. But you have to create relationship and that takes being proactive. Absolutely. Yeah, I I think it's it's 
it's so funny. And I'm just sitting here, I'm like, you know, I'm getting getting wound up a little bit because it's like, <laughs> you know, we're talking about like, well, you know, the the job title's right. And then in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, gee, if only HR had some control over job titling, you know, that, that boy, that would really be something. Right. You know, it's like like we do have some control here. We have some agency in in, in all of these things. And then, you know, I, I do think, you know, to go back to the point you just made, Jan, I think it's critical. You know, I and and there's this whole you know, everybody you talk to, um, it seems like in human resources complains about having a seat at the table or having the, you know, kind of the, the political capital within their, you know, within their organization. At the end of the day, I, again, I think we overcomplicate it. What it is, is if people see value in you and your perspective and the work that you do and the, the value that you provide to the organization, they're going to ask you to be there. It's as simple as that. And the way that you do that is by understanding the challenges the barriers to success, what your team needs, and and how their business operates. Like you, can, you have to be a generalist beyond human resources. Mm-hmm. You have to be a business yes. professional or an organizational professional within your organization, not just human resources. And in my mind, that doesn't even mean you have to have all the answers or all the solutions. But in HR, I love HR because you're like in the middle of all these different departments and you can serve as that connector. So if one department is having a challenge, you say, oh, I know another department that is working that can work really well with you. And it's just connecting those and being that really that center. You know, but to your point, Molly, you're the one that's initiating that. Yeah. Okay. And and that's where, you know, when we talk about agency, Kyle, you know, you got to own your position in HR. Okay. So it, you can't whine about not having a seat at the table to your point, if you're not bringing value <laughs> and to bring value, you have to go outside of your department to talk to other people. So they see your value, right? Just because you've got, you're in HR. Does it like, how do you, you got to get people to know you, to know your value, to see it, right? To hear your opinion, but you have to first care enough to want to get out and learn more about others and to see how you can serve others in HR, in your capacity, right? Um, there's a victim mindset, you know, it's, oh, we want to seat at the table. Okay. Well, what are you doing? You know, what's your, what, what power are you using, your old power, to get that? If you're just sitting there waiting for somebody to acknowledge you, guess what? That dog's not going to hunt. I'm sorry, but that's, that's you've got to get outside yourself instead of just playing a victim about it. Amen. <laughs> yeah. I'm wow. with you. Preach. Preach. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I love this conversation, but I do want to go back, and I hate to go backwards because we are having an awesome conversation, but you've said this twice now, um, talked about bridging the gap between academics and the workforce, and I think that's so important. I mean, I think of how many times I've heard HR people talk about, oh, people are missing soft skills, or, you know, I've been at a job fair, and I meet this um, business management degree and I'm like, well, what do you want to do? Well, I want to be a manager. Okay. What industry? What do you, why do you want to do that? And they just have no idea. Right. So what advice do you have for HR individuals? Like how can we make an impact on that? Eliminating well, it, that barrier. It, it's about part creating partnerships. I know that we worked with um, UT Dallas and University of Phoenix back in 2018 on a project. We 
um, surveyed uh, alumni, 65% of alumni said that they were not in a, a job that related to their degree. And, that, that, and that's not new news. That's not like it's been in the last 10 years. I mean, this has been going on, but but when it comes down to it, so we got both academia, we got uh, a VP of um, Toyota and State Farm with chancellors and presidents of universities to come together. And because they weren't, they weren't believing us. Academia and, you know, in the separate bubbles, they weren't thinking these stats were credible. We got them all in one room and academia really was shocked because the, the major employer said it takes us a year to, after we hire somebody to get them up and running to where they're actually working for us, right? They're actually producing. And so they said the top three things that they expect from a graduate experience, executive presence, and leadership skills. Well, they don't teach that in academia. <laughs> and so when the four, when one of the chancellors said, well, what about a degree? The response was, mic drop, anybody can get a degree. So that's why when we talk about the summit, we're bringing entities like career technical educators from high schools. We're bringing career development directors from colleges. We're bringing HR professionals from companies, right? Bringing them together to say, okay, Let's get it all in one room. Let's talk about what, what type of partnership or relationship can we put together that has a program that can bridge this gap. Nobody does that. You know, you got career development people going to Subway, you know, Jimmy John's and all these places, and they come back and, and they think that's career development. You know, getting, working with Jimmy John's or Subway to, you know, hire people and bringing that and posting it on a job board for their alumna. Like, what is, like, what is that? Like that <laughs> I mean, that, I, that, see, that's what I'm saying. Like, but when you, you have to do it from behind the scenes, unfortunately, because that means doing something different, mm -hmm. right? It's yeah. Relationship. Uh, it's creating relationship, but in a different way. Absolutely. So here in Iowa, we actually have some, some colleges that have advisory boards where you're talking just like that. So people from the profession can come in and essentially advise on what they're seeing or what they're seeing that's missing in these, these schools graduates. Um, that's another really good opportunity, yeah. I think, that HR professionals can get involved in to make a difference. So what, like, you know, when... What's interesting, though, is the schools aren't changing their curriculum. So it really, unless you have change in each of those bubbles, it doesn't matter what the HR goes to a company. I mean, you know, goes to, a, uh, has an advisory board for the students. Because it's the schools and their curriculum. That's the two biggest entities, the schools and the companies are not getting together and the schools are not changing their format for curriculum. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's the basic foundation. So you can have advisory boards until the cows come home, but until schools start producing different curriculum to prepare the students, companies are not going to get what they need. 
Yeah, so these advisory boards um, are just what you were talking about. They are the school and essentially business professionals connecting um, to improve the curriculum. And I'm not sure if every school has it, but if not, what a great opportunity to try to create change within that school, within that curriculum. Um, but somebody's got to take the initiative, right? We can't just sit back and blame other people for, for the problem. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, it's another thing, academia doesn't bring in enough business people. Like they yeah. just want somebody with a PhD or whatever. And it's like, who's never been in business. So again, <laughs> you're teaching theory that you have no, you know, no experience to share. It's it, they're, they're keeping that in a bubble. So unless you're bringing people who are, who have been successful or who have been in that experience of that business or industry, you're really not providing the level of experience or expertise or knowledge or wisdom to these students. Uh, and that's a huge thing. So there are foundational issues or challenges that really, you know, need to change that I don't know if academia is ready for, you know? <laughs> I think some are. I, but I think I, going back to your point, Jan, it's, it's finding, it's like people like us that want to make change and disrupt and, and have, you know, observed where the change needs to be made. And then it's finding those similar minded people within academia that, that have the, you know, the, the will <laughs> to do some of these things. And I, you know, to, to give a little bit of a, you know, backup to, cause I got a lot of friends in academia, you know, I do think, <laughs> I do think that there are, there are some really, you know, well-intentioned um, programs out there. I do think that the, that people are starting to demand this. Certainly the, you know, some of the groundswell of people questioning the value of a college degree uh, versus, you know, maybe a more specialized degree. I think, I think change is coming, but we need to step up and help articulate that change. In my opinion, you know, we're, we are the ones on the front lines hiring uh, these individuals. And if they don't have the skills uh, that, that we need, then, then we need to advocate to change, you know, how we're developing it. But um I do it go takes back both to both of us working together. Yeah, absolutely. exactly, exactly. We got to have the conversation and be willing yep. to have the conversation. And and I think going back to kind of where we started this conversation, you know that you know nothing is as it's nothing is simple. You know this this is a this is not a binary world. And you know you can't treat career development or education or training or experience as a binary thing. It's like this big mess of spaghetti on a plate. That's what everybody's career looks like. You know, nobody has this career ladder. It's a myth, right? You know, see, that's a, exactly to your point, Kyle. There's an, an unexpected, I mean, it's, it's not realistic. Like people yeah. just, so why do we keep on preparing and, and following this path and expectation? Oh, okay. So you, now when you, you know, go into college, you got to pick your, your, you know, for the rest of your life. Why are we even doing it in this pattern that doesn't even is not reality? <laughs> that's 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 another foundational. I mean, we got schools, high schools and junior high, junior high. They are asking and expecting students in junior high when the front part of your brain has not been fully developed to ask and claim what you want to be when you grow up. 
I either wanted to be a, a paleontologist, a cop, or um, or, a, or, or a rock star, and none of those things happened, unfortunately. Sorry. Well, you're still a rock my star, my friend. You're still a rock star. <laughs> well, okay? I have a microphone in front of me, but that's, that's you know. <laughs> that's yeah, and you're kind of fulfilling that dream with your, your cover photo on the <laughs> yeah. podcast. Hey, you mean, know, yeah. yeah it manifests true. in different ways, okay? We can tie what you manifested. I can tell you that. <laughs> I put it out there in the universe. <laughs> you there you did. go. quick <laughs> play at the beginning of each show file yeah no thank there you, you go <laughs> no thank you I, I will leave that to the professionals <laughs> someday molly after no after a, enough beers maybe okay but uh no i think it's you know it's it's a it's just a, been an, an absolutely wonderful conversation i know jan that you are going to continue uh, this conversation with your um, you know, with your upcoming uh, conference. So I'm, I'm just going to give you a, a, a warm pitch to uh, tell us more about this this conference and, and give us some details. Thank you, Kyle. It's going to be held here in Dallas, October 5th through 7th. And uh, it's two and a half days. We have Haley Taylor Schlitz, the uh, youngest American, Black American to graduate from law school. So she is our academic disruptor. She graduated from uh, SMU Law School at age 19, just this last May. So we are just excited to have her as our guest this year. Um, We are bringing academia. We are bringing, uh, you know, HR professionals. We're bringing real estate, relocation companies, uh, equity and inclusion, so we're really pulling from vast majority C-suite, ma- vast majority of different industries to come together under one roof um, and really start talking about and create relationships around these topics and start really addressing with our solution sessions. We're going to have labs and we're going to have beta projects afterwards. So it's taking those theories that we talk about in the lab and then implementing them and going to be finishing up in February with some white papers from that are going to be published from the um, beta project. So it's a process. We have virtual, we have in-person, and then we'll have our beta project. So really excited uh, to be able to bring people together and facilitate change. Absolutely. And, and where can they go to find out more about the conference and uh, you, purchase tickets? You can go to HR Disruptors Summit, and that's H R D I S R U P T E R S Summit S U M M I T dot com. Awesome. We'll have that link in the show notes as well, so you can open up your podcast player, click in, check it out, um, and uh, and really appreciate it. With that being said, I can't wait to hear the responses to the Rebel HR Flash Round. So we're gonna we're gonna shift gears and uh, go through the Flash Round. Are you ready? Yep. All right. Question number one: Where does HR need to rebel? Think differently, because that's so un- that's so against their industry. <laughs> absolutely human relations right human relations yeah, that's exactly right human <laughs> relations let's get back to that <laughs> i love it question number two who should we be listening to i can tell you einstein um any you know any of our you know great scientists you know look at their life and and look at their lessons especially einstein um Pablo Picasso said, you know, anything that can be imagined is real. And I know this is not woo-woo. We're, we're just really 
trying to, you know, take this knowledge and wisdom that's been here forever from our, you know, those great leaders think differently. And that's exactly what they've done and what they did. Absolutely. Expand your horizons. All right. Last question. How can our listeners connect with you? Can reach me on, connect with me on LinkedIn, Janet, or I think it's under Jan Barlow. Uh, you can also email me, jbarlow at betterjobfit.org and contact me directly. Would love to uh, speak to anybody. Absolutely. And we'll, again, we'll have that in the show notes. Jan, I just want to thank you again. It's just, it's been wonderful to connect with you and get to know you here over the last few weeks and just really appreciate you spending some time with us here, uh, here today. My friends, I tell you what, I just really so value our connection, both you and Molly, just, it's just so great to be called to come together and for a higher purpose and really thank you for your time and this opportunity. I feel the same way, Jan. Thanks. Me too. All right, that does it for the Rebel HR Podcast. Big thank you to our guests. Follow us on Facebook at Rebel HR Podcast, Twitter at Rebel HR Guy, or see our website at rebelhumanresources.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rebel HR Podcast are those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of any of the organizations that we represent. No animals were harmed during the filming of this podcast. Baby.